air. Well, please take up your Bible, lift it up for a moment. Did you bring your Bible to church this morning? I hope you did. If you didn't, next time, make sure you bring it. Lord, I pray that as we share around your word, we ask that your word would speak right into our hearts and into our spirits. We're here because we want to become more like Jesus Christ. Speak to us through your word, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're talking this morning about called to liberty. Called to liberty. Now, the theme of Galatians 5, won't you please have a look there. The theme of Galatians 5, the second, actually the theme of the whole of Galatians is one of called to liberty. The freedom that Jesus Christ has purchased for us. But if we look at uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 to 15, we're actually going to look right up to verse 25, but we're just going to take a few verses of Scripture first. Uh, Let's look at a few of these aspects of liberty. When you hear the word liberty or freedom, I believe every one of us would say without a doubt we want to live in the freedom that the Lord Jesus has for us. Amen? We want to live and be free from any kind of a hold of the enemy. We want to be in a place of victory and liberty. Now, look at verse 13. Galatians 5, verse 13. It says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Do you see that? There's our message title right there. For you, brethren, have been, say those three words with me, called to liberty. Only, do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Now, four points that I'd like to make this morning. The first one, if you're making notes, please write this down. Our carnal nature tends towards ugliness. But we have been set free to love one another. Let me say that again. Number one, our carnal nature tends towards ugliness if you're a human being. (laughs) But we have been set free from that nature. When we gave our our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, we got set free from that stuff, but we've been set free to something. We've been set free to show love to one another. We've been set free to walk in the love of God. The Bible says, you will know them by their love. This should be a defining mark of a believer, of a Christian. That the love of God is in that person's life, that man's life, that woman's life. Verse 13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Think about that for a moment. Isn't it wonderful to know that that's what Jesus Christ, that that's what the Father has in store for you? Isn't it actually wonderful to know He's called us to be free? 
He hasn't called us to be still partially in bondage. He's called us to be free. I'm asking you today, how is your life looking? How is your walk with the Lord looking? Can you say, definitely, I'm walking in abundant life before the Lord. I'm walking feeling free. I don't feel like I'm in bondage to some of that stuff that I did in my past. God has called me to be free, and that's the place in which I'm living. Our ordinary human nature tends to be self-centered and even spiteful. For instance, if you think of a, a young toddler, a little, a little baby, a little child, maybe let's say two years old, and you put another baby there, also two years old, and you put some toys there, <laughs> some nice Fisher-Price toys or whatever they are, Let's put some nice toys there. I, I, I'm not a prophet, but I will prophesy that uh, there's a good chance that something is going to happen between those two. One of them will have a particular toy, and next thing the other one will try to rip it away, and then that screech will come, and mommy will run to the rescue. But you know what? That's actually the way we come out of the womb. Self, totally self-centered, totally focused on ourselves, and we actually, in our human nature, we like to be spiteful. <laughs> oh, they did this to me. I'm actually glad that it's going tough in their lives, you know. Uh, you know what? It's fine. He was miserable to me a few years ago. Great for you. You know, it's that kind of thing. And I remember one time when, when somebody, something happened in another person's life, uh, which was not so good, but it's kind of like they had it coming sort of thing. This person said to me, you, you don't want to say great for you, but you want to say great for you, you know, because that's the way our human nature is. Verse 15 says, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by each other. You know what? I think sometimes we are consuming people around about us. I was just thinking, for instance, of the kids' thing at school. And oftentimes, people in their later years have got emotional scars because at school, some of the other kids said ugly things to them. I don't know what was said to you, but there are those things. Because in our own human nature, the propensity to be good is just not really there. And maybe you can remember at school, when you were in primary school, something, some word being said about you, like you are just a freckle face, or you are fat, or you've got a big head, or your hair is like Goldilocks, or something like that. And those things actually hurt. The Bible says, be careful, lest you devour one another. It's difficult sometimes to get past those things, but God wants us to not only get past those things, He wants us to get to a place where we show the love and the kindness of God. And you say, but no, 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 when you get older, it changes, and you're not like that. You know what? You spend one day in the traffic on the way between Pretoria and Joburg, 
and even yay, yeah, 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 you, you'll see. <laughs> and all of a sudden, when you see that car coming up, trying to take that gap, how you want to just slip in there, and you don't look in your rearview mirror, you just carry on like this. Or that person wants to come in, and the traffic is standing slow, but your lane is moving a little faster than the other lane. That person wants to slip in in front of you, and you tailgate the next guy. You're not going to let him in and act like you're not looking. Because that is our human nature. You're laughing about somebody else, right? <laughs> you think this sermon is so for somebody else. So for that guy. The carnal nature. But we shouldn't bite and devour one another. Only the devil is supposed to do that. The devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. But now listen to this. But Jesus breaks the power of the carnal nature and places his love in our hearts. He sets us free to love one another. I want to say that again. Jesus breaks the power of our carnal nature so that we're not ruled by it anymore. And he places his love in our hearts. He sets us free to love one another. I want to say to you that when you got saved and when you got baptized, the Bible says you no longer became a slave to sin. But that slavery thing was broken. You are not enslaved to behave according to your knee-jerk carnal reaction. You do not have to react like that. And more than being set free from that, God has placed His love in our hearts so that we can respond in a different way. The greatest capacity to show love and kindness is found in the hearts of God's children. Yes, unbelievers can definitely show love, but believers are connected to the true source of love, and as such, we have a far greater capacity. Have you ever been touched by the love of one or two Christian people, that something that they did just showed, wow, these people are really kind. These people really show the love of God. I remember a couple of months after my dad passed away, after he went to be with the Lord in 1997, a few pastors, African pastors, from the township areas of Attridgeville, Sashanguve, Momolodi, a whole delegation of them about I don't know, 20, 25 maybe, they came and they requested an appointment with my mother and with the rest of our family. So my mom and the three brothers, we sat there in the home. All these men came in and they jam-packed our lounge. And you know what? They said that they have come to show admiration for who God made my dad to be. And they came to love us, they came to pray for us, they came to bless us and encourage us. It was a very, very special occasion. About an hour later, after we'd served them tea and so on, they walked out of there. But you know what? We felt a love. <laughs> In the spiritual realm, we felt like we had received a big hug. What were these men doing? They were going out of their way to make sure they were demonstrating the love of God. When believers open their hearts to release the love of God, it is a powerful thing. Number two, 
Be responsive to the Spirit's leading. It will enable you to enjoy victory. Look at verse 16. Keep your Bibles open, please, in Galatians 5. Verse uh, 16 to 18. Actually, 16 to 17. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. We know the Scripture verse well, but let the Holy Spirit minister to you afresh today. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. This so aptly describes the, the, the struggle that goes on in terms of, am I going to respond according to my new nature, or am I going to respond according to my knee-jerk old nature? It's a battle that you and I will face for the rest of our lives. But you know what? I believe that as we allow God to form Christ in us more and more, we more and more begin to operate in this beautiful nature which God has placed in us. And that heart of flesh that He's placed within us, which is a heart that wants to really walk according to God's Word, it's a heart that wants to show God's kindness, that's the way we begin to function and operate there is definitely the struggle, but we have the advantage of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a scripture related to this, because this says, walk in the Spirit, or be filled with the Spirit. There's a scripture in Ephesians 5, verse 18, that says, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, or excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And also, in the Greek, that is in the present continuous tense. In other words, it means let God fill you and continue to let God fill you. Now, this is the thing. If you get drunk on alcohol, something begins to happen. You automatically start misbehaving. Am I right? So, is anybody in this church this morning still with me? When you get drunk on alcohol, you automatically begin to do some things that are wrong. You begin to maybe tell some jokes you shouldn't tell. You begin to get raucous. You begin to not be able to control your body properly. But you know what? Conversely, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you automatically start to do the things that are right. And this is the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit. As we pursue the Holy Spirit, as we allow Him to fill our hearts, we automatically start responding in the right way. And when somebody bumps us, we actually overflow in the right way. So alcohol makes you perform in the wrong way. But when you get filled with the Spirit, and as you perpetually pursue the Spirit of God, as you allow Him to fill you, you know what? More and more, automatically, you start to respond with the love of God. You start to respond with the kindness of God. How do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, you just, you just say, Holy Spirit, would you please fill me? I'm thirsty, I come, I drink, and I receive. That's how you do it. And you allow Him to fill your spirit man. 
And as a result of that, doing that on a continual basis, being dependent on God, you automatically begin to let the Holy Spirit flow out of you. You automatically begin to demonstrate the kindness and the love of God. The only way to experience freedom from bad desires is through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.23 says, And being renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man that was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Number three of four points now. Keep a clear understanding of what sin is. Read with me in uh, verse 19. Verse 19 to 21 it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery. Hatred. Did you know that hatred is a work of the flesh? The other day, I went to go hand in a firearm. It was just a little .22 rifle that I'd gotten from my grandfather and from my dad, but I wasn't interested in this whole route of going through the perpetual licensing and all of that, so I just decided I'm going to surrender this firearm. And I went to go and hand it in at our local police station and a lady there received it. There were two people in the office. A lady received it. And I got chatting to her and a few minutes later it came out. She said, I hate the previous government. Because evidently her husband was involved in the bomb squad and he was killed in the bomb squad. And she said, I hate this government as well because her son was killed through a hijacking or something like that. She said, I hate them. I couldn't believe what I was hearing, you know. This is not good customer relations to be saying these things. But she said it. And I said, you know what? You don't want to hate them because you're going to put yourself in prison. I said, the Bible says you must forgive. She says, yeah, my pastor said it for me. My I can't do it. I said, you have to obey God's word. Hatred is a work of the flesh. It goes on. Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness. Drunkenness is a work of the flesh. Revelries and the like, it says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'd like to just clarify. Works of the flesh and sin are the same thing. Okay? So when it talks about these are the works of the flesh, in other words, it could say these are the sins that we see. Now, it's important that we clearly understand what sin is. It says in verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are evident. In other words, they are clear, obvious, plain to see. But you know what? I've discovered that for some people, sin is no longer clear to see. Maybe it's because, as it says in 1 Timothy 4 verse 2, that their consciences have been seared with a hot iron. For some people, they are damaged in their ability to be able to say, well, that is wrong, and that's right. 
It's as though the enemy wants this line to be fuzzy between what's good and what's evil. He wants to create fuzziness. You know what? As a result of that, we start to ask what the serpent asked to Eve. Did God really say that this is bad to do? It should be absolutely clear. The works of the flesh are evident. They are clear. When you start to, to justify your actions and is this really so bad? We know that we're in dangerous ground. We're on dangerous territory. The enemy is trying to blur the line between what is right and what is wrong. But as believers, we must keep the line clear. Clarity will help us keep away from sin. That's why we need to clearly know that is sin and we will not be involved in it. Now, this passage clearly lists 17 different works of the flesh, and there are many more sins that could be listed, but I want to just highlight two or three. I mentioned the one of hatred. Another one I'd like to mention is sorcery. Sorcery is basically when you engage in evil spirits to effect some unnatural power on the earth. Somebody gave me this article during the week, um, and this featured in the Daily Sun newspaper uh, this week, Tuesday. Now, don't look at the bottom half. Uh, that's not uh, relevant. But it says here, blessed in ox blood. They slaughtered an ox with a spear in the shadow of the mighty 1.5 billion rand Soccer City Stadium yesterday. Its blood flowed over the ground. Then the meat was cooked over open fires by men, and everyone enjoyed it there. Dozens of Sangorma had a procession on the edge of the soccer pitch. The Sangorma burned sacred herbs and prayed that the ancestors would support the mighty effort from Bafana Bafana and other African teams. Muti was sprinkled on the touchline of the brand new field of dreams. Umkumbuti flowed like a stream. Does anyone know what's Umkumbuti? Beer. Um, Zulani Mkiva, chairman of Makona Royal Trust, said it was to bless the stadium and to ensure that South Africa hosts a successful World Cup. Lastly, he said it's very important to talk to our ancestors and to invoke the spirits. Isn't that terrible? These people do not understand that this is sin. They do not understand that this is wrong. The enemy is at work in their lives. These things concern me about our nation. The tendency to want to connect with the evil spiritual realm and please the devil is something that should alarm us. This is sorcery. This is Witchcraft. This is a work of the flesh. Now, <clears throat> this is one that is clear. <coughs> Excuse me. This is one that's clear. This is one that is evident. Also, I want to say this. But you know what? There are so many people that are on fire for God in this nation. And in the name of Jesus, with the sword of the Spirit, we cut off the effects. Would you agree with me now? We cut off the effects of that ceremony. We cut it off in Jesus' name. We declare, greater is He who is in us than those things that took place. One will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand. 
Here we've got many people here today. In the name of Jesus, we cut off that stuff and we banish it from this nation in the name of Jesus. And we repent on behalf of those people, Lord, for what took place. But that is a work of the flesh. Some of the other works of the flesh, which people don't clearly see as sin, but I'd like to mention them clearly as sin, is fornication. I want to remind you that fornication is sex outside of marriage. If you're living with somebody and you're not married to them, it's wrong. You need to get married. And whoever the man is in the relationship, I say to you, because I would believe there'd at least be five or ten people here today that would probably be living together. I want to say to you, as the man of the relationship, you need to get your act together, and you either need to get married, or you need to live separately and end that relationship. You know what? Because we've been set free from that carnal nature. We've been set free to do what is right. And when the world is trying to make it fuzzy, I want to make it clear, fornication is sin. Does anybody agree with me? Fornication is sin. Adultery is sin. Drunkenness is sin. Now the sobering thought, we find, the, the sobering thought is that in verse 21 it says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Warning, don't mess with sin. It could destroy your eternal salvation. But, 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from unrighteousness. You know what confessing sin is? Part of it is coming into agreement with God that that is sin. That is wrong. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. When you confess sin, you come into agreement with God. And you say, yes, God, what you say is wrong is wrong. I did that. That's wrong. Please forgive me. And then he says that he will forgive you and cleanse you from unrighteousness. So that you can go on walking in the Spirit. So that you can go on living in the victory that God has for you. Last point, number four. The fruit of the Spirit is there for you and I to produce. It can be a reality in our lives. Look at verse 22 to 25. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. These are all such beautiful things. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the, the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This is talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I want to give you a little example. I had some serious problems with my motor car about two years ago. And a uh, strange thing, you'd be driving along and next thing the revs just go down. And then you have to take your foot off the accelerator, put it back up, and then you've got revs again, and you can begin to go. Strange thing. In any case, so I took it into the local dealership, and uh, I said, guys, this is the problem. Will you please see to it? So they took it into their workshop, and uh, they began to look into it. At the end of the day, they said, no, you can't have your car back yet. We haven't solved it yet. So I said, okay, well, that's fine. Keep it, keep it for tomorrow, and I'll get it then tomorrow. Well, 
three or four days passed and they couldn't solve the problem. And uh, so this, this was uh, a little bit, this is not good, you know. So eventually they give me a car and they say, make use of this little runabout in the meantime. And eventually it's now a week and my car is still not fixed. It goes to two weeks. It goes to three weeks. How's your blood pressure doing? <laughs> and um, after three weeks, it went to four weeks. It went to five weeks. It went to six weeks that I was... I'm not going to mention the name of the dealership. Finishes <laughs> six weeks... And they still couldn't solve it. And they say now they're going to replace the whole wiring harness and everything. And, and eventually they send it to some specialist tune-in clinic. And these guys, within two or three days, found the problem. It was just a small little problem with the traction control. And they sorted it out. And then my car was finished after almost seven weeks. Now... There was a test of how my fruit of the Spirit would be. And so they phoned me. They said, Mr. Rabbit, please come and collect your vehicle. Now, I know what's going to happen when I get there. There is going to be a bill, an invoice that's going to be presented to me at some stage. And I'm thinking now, what am I going to do? Any case, so they take me into the guy's office, the workshop manager's office, and also the, the head technician is there, and they sit down with me, and everyone is serious, and they start explaining to me that I owe them 7,000 rand for this. I thought it was maybe 1,000 rand lodging per week, or I don't know. In any case, and as we began to chat through the thing, I said, you know what, guys? I don't feel that I should be responsible for that, but this portion I feel is fair that I need to pay. So, we, we spoke around it for 10, 15 minutes, and perfectly, amicably, we settled things, and I didn't shout at them. But you know what? I think that this guy, they were on their chair all the time because they thought that this guy is going to begin to rant and rave about how couldn't the actual dealership solve the problem. And they had to go to a non-that uh, motor industries company to go get it sorted. How could this happen? And throw the toys out the cot like maybe many other customers do. But you know what? I didn't respond like that. I responded out of goodness and kindness and self-control. And I said, I'm willing to pay that amount of money. And they agreed, no problem. We ran the credit card through, and that was all settled out. And then the head technician went out, and uh, the main workshop manager, he sat back in his chair. He leaned over to his bar fridge. He said, can I offer you a, what did he offer me? A fruit juice. Can I offer you a fruit juice? He gives me a fruit juice. He takes one. And then he says to me, aren't you that pastor? from that church up there. I don't really go to church, but my brother-in-law, he's a pastor, and so on. And you know what? We began to chat for a good 25 minutes about the important things in life. But you know what? People are watching you. They are watching me. If I had responded like, like, uh, is Farknek a bad word? Wimful. 
is fartnek a slechte woord. Nee. Okay, he says it's okay. Well, if I'd responded like that, <laughs> or let's say like an angry bull, okay, all right. If I had responded like that, the fruit juice wouldn't have come out. The conversation wouldn't have gone that way, and he wouldn't have let me know that he knows me. But you know what? He would have told about 10 or 15 other people, Die, oh, van Dijkerk. Pas op. But you know what? You don't have to lose your cool. You've been set free from that carnal nature. You've been set free to show the love and the goodness of God. All the fruit of the Spirit starts and flows out of love. And out of love flows goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, so that you don't need to throw your toys out the cot. By the way, last Sunday, there was an incident in our parking lot after church, bless the Lord, where two people, I didn't see it myself, but they tell me, two people were reversing out at the same time, and nobody wanted to give the other one way. And it turned a bit ugly. You know what, folks? We don't have to respond like that. There is this old method which says that people must rent and rave. I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> Certainly Christians shouldn't be like, if you've got something wrong with your food in a restaurant, you don't have to degrade the establishment. You don't have to belittle the waitress or the waiter, you can just very kindly explain that, hey, it's not working. And would you please just warm this up or make the steak a bit more well done? People are looking at our lives. We've been called to be free from the old way of living. And so it says, in terms of producing more fruit, it says in John 15, verse 4 to 5, it says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit, let's say fruit of the Spirit, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me will bear much fruit. The thing is, we have the privilege of being connected to the precious Holy Spirit. And as we stay connected to Him, as we honor Him, as we talk to the Holy Spirit during the day, the fruit of the Spirit begins to come out of our lives. A fruit tree never has to push fruit out. It just comes out. And so, God has called us to live in liberty. I said, number one, our carnal nature tends towards ugliness, but we've been set free to love one another. Number two, be responsive to the Spirit's leading. It will enable you to enjoy victory. Number three, keep a clear understanding of what sin is. And number four, the fruit of the Spirit can be a daily reality in our lives. Would you please stand and take the hand of the person next to you as we pray? Heavenly Father, we as your people are serious about walking biblical lives. Lord, today, clearly from your word, 
we see the pattern that you've set for us. Lord, we also say, please forgive us when we've responded in a way that has not honored you. We're sorry about that. But now we ask that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit once again. And that as a result, we would automatically begin to do what pleases you. Why don't you pray this after me? Lord Jesus, I ask for more of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. By your grace, I will be a better example of being a son and a daughter of God. Thank you that you've called me to liberty. Thank you that you've called me to bear much fruit. And by your grace, that's what I'm going to do. In Jesus' name. Now I just speak out the prayer of Jabez over each and every one of you. I pray, oh God, that you would bless us indeed. Real good. That you would enlarge our territory. That your hand would be with us and upon us. That you would keep us from evil. And that we would not cause pain. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah.